St. Ignatius of Loyola, one of the famous meditations from his spiritual exercises is the meditation on the two standards, the standard of Christ and the standard of Satan. It refers to the two kingdoms, a standard is a sign or a flag representing that kingdom. Um, and this reality um, and ongoing battle is a, is a fact in every life. God has a plan for your life. And it's good for us to ponder and try to follow the path he is showing to us. And Satan has a plan for your life. Have you thought much about it? Have you asked the question to the Holy Spirit, what is his plan for my life? When I read this statement in the book, immediately the word destruction came to my mind instantly. And I remember, as I referred to earlier, all the times that my life was in grave danger. Being hit by a car as I was as a child, five years old, getting diabetes, run over by a tractor when I was 10, and then getting my leg caught in, a, in an auger when I was 10 also, and having several serious car accidents, even one a head-on crash about 12 years ago. Um, and, you know, and this idea of destruction is, is something that, that um, um, was, was pretty prominent. I began to see that in my life. You know, My life had been spared so many times. Um, some would say, kind of like a cat, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure how many times it has been. But it's been by the grace of God and by his mercy alone, really. Um, I've got a great guardian angel, and I can't wait to see, see him and, and, and really thank him worthily. Um, in, in, it's, uh, in, in a question, remember, I guess you also remember at the, at the uh, Passover, it was the destroyer was the angel of death that overcame and, and, and was one who took the lives of the firstborn. That was called, the scripture calls the destroyer. You know, so that's a, that's a big one. That's a big one. Uh, it's a question we need to pray about and ask the Holy Spirit, what is, what is Satan's plan for my life? Um, but also realize that God has a plan. And the only reason we want to know Satan's plan is so that we start seeing it and realizing that I'm not going God's plan. I'm going on his, the other plan right now. And where we know we have to fight, like Ann was, uh, was talking, Ann Stevens talking the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the CD during, during dinner, you know, it's we have to know we're in a battle. We have to know where the battle is. And so we have to be in the battle. You know, we have to realize there is a battle. It's just not uh, lollygagging around, that there is a real battle in our, in, our, in our life. And so we need to be aware of that, as she stated also very clearly. Um, and this plan is connected to the things many times the enemy's plan is things that we're struggling with. No, there's where he's tripping us up um, and where we, are, where we need deliverance also. So many of you have been prayed with and, and may or may not have experienced something. Um, this talk is usually given in the morning, as I said before, uh, at Mass. Um, but I, as I said, like last year, I thought it was better to have the renounced talk because that's really what you'll be doing and to have you kind of in tune with that um, as you go into the, uh, the sessions that we prayed with. So now this talk may affect you a little differently, perhaps. It may summarize what you've experienced. Uh, it may give you words and understanding for what you've experienced, such as some degree, or may, or, or may experience on your own, um, like I did when I used the, uh, the keys and when I use them now also. Or it may give you some awareness of what you might expect and desire when you do get prayed with. There's many different experiences of freedom. <clears throat> it doesn't really matter how. Um, often freedom is described when somebody's been prayed with as this, a, a certain feeling of um, uh, maybe a, like lightness and maybe you feel taller 
I mean, even some would say like, like all of a sudden it wasn't aware, but like a, like a dental blanket was lifted off you, that heavy blanket, you know, when you get the x-rays, like there's something's been lifted off, you know, and I experienced that in different ways myself also, but it was that first initial time is really a, a great blessing. And many will say that you recognize that yes, something has changed, something has changed. Um, and that's a, that's a beautiful realization. Essentially it's about giving ourselves to the Lord and he gives, and he given us what we need today. You know, it is our relationship with Jesus, the Son of God, that gives freedom. You know, that's what gives freedom. It's our relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. That's what gives freedom. And so that has to always be the focus. You know, it's not about the devil. It's about Jesus. It's about him. Only he can save. And only he can heal. And only he is the one that can do it. And it's about our relationship with him. You know, we are set free for freedom. You know, Galatians 5.1. You know, for freedom Christ set us free, so stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Freedom is fundamental to what it means to be human and to be in Christ. To choose freely. This is why we need deliverance, so we can choose freely from those things that are binding us up, that are basically making it difficult to make good choices. Um, it makes it easier when, we're, when, we're, when we experience some of that freedom. What is freedom? <clears throat> well, freedom ultimately is knowing the love of God, knowing that God always loved you, always loved you, knowing that God always treasured you. That's the really key of freedom. It's just knowing that you're loved, knowing how loved you are, no matter what you've done or haven't done, knowing how loved you are. You know, there's really the freedom because that's giving your identity. Um, and that's the identity of a, of a beloved son and daughter of God. Freedom is also belonging. You know, one of the great things we hear now is that even though people are all involved in social media, they're becoming more depressed and lonelier. You know, we have this yearning for belonging and this, this uh, uh, social media belonging doesn't quite fulfill it. You know, we need the belonging of a family and the belonging of, of, of other people and in, in real contact. You know, belonging is, is knowing your identity, again, as a child of God. Knowing God is always present and always with you. You know, when I was, uh, one of the missionaries I had from Africa one time, I think it was, um, and I was driving down the road with him and, and asking him, you know, you've been to many countries and many places. Is, you know, what do you see as different about America or a Catholic church here in America and, and between your home back in Africa? You know, and he thought for a moment, very pensive about it, and he thought, you Catholics in America, you think Jesus is only there in the tabernacle. Where we realize he's with us always. It was a profound point. You know, it was a profound point. And yes, we should adore him here in the Blessed Sacrament. And we should never forget that. But we shouldn't forget also that he's always with us. That he's always with us. You know, that's, that's a point that I think maybe we forget sometimes. And so do I. You know, knowing that you are living a life with purpose. Knowing that you belong to God. And to a human family. And heavenly family. You know, this idea of belonging is so profound. And it, it's one of the graces, one of the, one of the, one of the healings, I guess, I received. You know, um, during that year when all this stuff was happening... <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly when it was, maybe later in the year, but it was uh, offering a mass at my mission parish. 
And I remember offering this Mass, and I remember, you know, many times what happens for me, or at least then very much so, not as much anymore, God, God blessing, God, thank God, thank, thanks be to God, um, is the enemy will attack at the very most precious moments. And if you, if you notice yourself in Mass, when you get distracted, you know, you come into Mass, you come into Mass, and all of a sudden every distraction, every thought, every worry in the world comes in your head. And maybe it happens at the time of consecration even. Well, that's where sometimes I would be experienced these things, these thoughts coming in about being upset with this person or being about this or about that. And it's like, right there, you know? And so, yes, what I would do is I would stop in the middle of the consecration prayer and go through the keys because I realized the enemy wanted to disturb my heart at the most precious moment of my life when I was as a priest saying the words of consecration. So don't think he's going to mess. He's not going to mess with you. <laughs> I mean, and it usually happens at the most, at most, most difficult times, the most precious times sometimes. You know, but that was where where it was. And so this this happened at this uh, this mass also. But this was a little different one. And this one was it was this very subtle little twisted little re, little invitation or or kind of a kind of a call almost almost it's very very odd. And it was like it was like you know I get this it was like this nagging little sense so just just give in to me just 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 say me just just accept me. You know, and it was just like, you know, I, memory comes back to mind as a little child, maybe mom's baking cookies and it's kind of, mommy, mommy, I want a cookie. I want a cookie. I want a cookie. I want a cookie. And you finally just go, oh, fine, just have a cookie then, fine, whatever. I was at that moment saying whatever. And something stopped me. By the grace of God, something stopped me. I didn't realize what that was happening until just a few, few months ago. We had a conference with the, pre, with the priests. And I talked about, we talked about this legal right, okay, this legal right. You know, in, in this, this uh, Adam Bly was his name. He gave a great conference to the priest anyway. He works in, I think it's uh, Cincinnati maybe, diocese there for exorcism. He says, you know, God is, demons are very legalistic, you know, and they cannot possess anyone unless you give them permission. That's why I'm saying, I don't think you are because I don't think you ever give them permission, you know. Um, but the reality was that's what he was trying to get me to do. Is what I realized three months ago was get permission. Because he goes back to God and says, look, they said I could. They said I could. And you're right. Hence the problem of serious sin. Hence the problem of, of occultism. Hence the problem of all these things. You know? And so, by the grace of God, I stopped it. And just this... But it was just God's grace. It was just totally God's grace. It was nothing of my doing. Just God just kind of stopped it for me, I believe. And I just, I just turned back to the prayer. You know, after Mass, or at the end of Mass, you know, I took the Blessed Sacrament back to the tabernacle. I remember opening the tabernacle, just kind of highlight this, and, and the back altar, and putting it in, and I would genuflect them before I closed the tabernacle door. As I genuflected, these words came, like, literally from the tabernacle. I mean, I didn't hear them, but it was just like I, like I heard in my soul. He belongs to me. It was Jesus. Speaking to the enemy. He belongs to me. You know? And I didn't think a whole lot of it. I go, whoa, where'd that come from? That must be you. That must be really, this really was going on. Okay, this wasn't my imagination. You know? Um, and this is, was a great blessing. And it has been since then also. You know, um, as I probably don't think about it enough and go back to it enough. But I belong to Jesus. But the reality is, is that we all belong to Jesus. You 
belong to Jesus. Do you realize that? St. Paul said, while we were all sinners, he died for us. Psalm 103, 100, verse 3 says, He made us, and we belong to him. We are the sheep of his pasture. He made us, we belong to him. We belong to him. He belongs to me. You know, um, we have to hold on to that. We belong to him. You know, and, and this, is, this is that belonging that, that your heart yearns for. To belong to a family, to belong to be loved, to be cherished, to be nurtured. You know, that's part of our relationship. That's what God wants. He knows we need that. And that's, that's really what the church is meant to be. That's what our families are meant to be. And, but we all don't have perfect families. We don't have perfect parishes either. You know, but that, that God continues, you know, God continues to give, give many graces. It was a Christmas, maybe it was that next Christmas, maybe on a, another Christmas at that same little mission parish. And um, it was Christmas morning and had a second mass there. And, and I get there and set up for mass and come out for mass and not a single person at Christmas Day mass. I don't know about you, but. It was like, oh, wow, this is really not good. <laughs> it was heartbreaking, really. You know, um, it's like, I remember my life, I never even heard of that happening. But there was nobody there. Not a, me, me and my guardian angel. So they kind of sat around and, and, and really was kind of going through all the, all of those thoughts. All those thoughts that would come through a situation like that, you know. At the same time, it was a year that my, my, usually my, my, since my mom died like 35 years ago, my brother and his wife would always kind of have Christmas. And so we'd have Christmas that afternoon, afternoon sometime. Or afternoon, and uh, they, they left that year. They went to see somebody else. And so it was like nobody. So it was like this complete aloneness, this complete nothingness, you know, this complete abandonment. You know, and that's, a, again, this, we, we're, we're, we're made for community. We're made for family. We're made to belong. You know, but as I began the Mass, you know, I, I, God was very, so good, so generous. You know, and all of a sudden, my, kind, of my, my, kind of my head popped up, and I go looking at the choir loft and the back doors, and it's like, it's like almost my mind, the, heart of my, 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 the heart's eye, so to say, is like the doors open, and I began to see, like, deceased family members coming in. And it's just like, wow, never thought of that before. And, but there was a grace. There was a grace. You know, and, and yet God, um, in the midst of our darkest times, we should not be afraid because God is there and he knows what we need. He knows we need love. He knows we need family. And scripture says um, that, that the heavenly family surrounds us like a cloud of witnesses. And that's true. I believe that's true. You know, as I spoke about the gentleman whose video I saw, a YouTube video not long ago, Roy Schumann, you know, he talked about that. His, his experience was literally, like he said, the veil was lifted. And he said, this world is, is just a sheer veil. He says the real, the real world of, of heavenly world is just beyond it, is right here, but we can't see it. You know, and that was kind of a, a real sense that perhaps I had at that moment also. Freedom is the life in the Son of God. We identify with Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, and we come under his authority and reign. We live as his disciples and follow him, and we need to submit to him. You know, we need to submit to him. When you say, Lord, you are, you're the one i got to follow. You're the Lord, not me, but you are. We need to live as his disciples and follow him. Remember the uh, photographer lady 
We need to believe and follow. Believe and follow. Freedom is all, it's tied up though. It's tied up in sonship. This, this reality of who we are. This identity. It's who we are. Um, as sons and daughters of God. So this idea of this relationship, um, that's what Jesus does. He restores our relationship with God the Father. You know, and, and I experienced that also with the, uh, the, ex, the Senior Esif. He told me after I saw him, he says, Okay, you don't call me anymore unless the Father tells you. Really? Okay. So things were going on and things became difficult. And finally it was like, what do I do? And my prayer and, and that night, it was like, Father, what do I do? And he says, call him. Like, what am I going to tell him? He gave me words. When I called him, I told him the words and he understood. You know, but it was to go to the Father. You know, he told me one time, he says, you're too proud even to ask your father for help. Interesting. Another, another, he, 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 he liked to give these real tight jabs, you know. Um, but it was a good point, you know. How often do we pray to the father? How often do we think about the father? How often do we ask the father to help us? Isn't that what we do to fathers? Aren't dads there to help us? Take care of us? We're in trouble? Yeah. And so that, that idea began to grow in me a little bit. And, and uh, I remember one time being outside the parish, and it was, I think we were setting up for Corpus Christi or something, and there was supposed to be some people who would come, who was supposed to set up, and nobody came. And we had all these altars set up, and I'm going, Father, I need help. I need help. I, don't have, I, I need help. And I was making that prayer, I think, as I was walking out of the rectory, or maybe it was, or maybe a little before that, a few minutes for, for a while. And I walk out, and here's two, two, men walk, two young men walking down the alley. And I go, why? How are you doing? They said, how do you mean? I'm going, they're like from Ukraine. They were, they were um, um, at an at a exchange where they come over and work at a, at a farm someplace for a while. I says, hey, you guys could help me with this? He goes, oh, yeah, sure, Father, no problem. They took care of it. Wow, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good, you know? you know? Are we willing even to ask our Father to help us? You know? Um, and there's the relationship. You know, Jesus... He wants to heal our relationship with the Father. You know, um, I saw that beautifully. I don't know if, you have, if you've seen it or not, but there's a book called Insinu Yezu. Um, it's a book about, um, written by a priest from Ireland, a Benedictine priest, who about in 2006, Jesus started speaking to him, and he's put this together. And it's really profound. Um, the bishop gave it all to the priests a couple of years ago. And, and he has this, uh, it's March 21st of 2011, um, on Monday, he said this, or Jesus revealed to him and told him, Allow me to guide you into the way of total filial dependence upon my Father in all things and for all things. So these are the words of Jesus to this priest. This will be the expression of my filial life in you. I would have you look to the Father in every need. Trust the Father in every adversity. Depend upon the Father in every weakness. Thus will you glorify my Father, and thus will I glorify him in you. My Father's goodness and love remain hidden from so many souls. They have not understood that I came into the world to reveal my Father, who is all love, and to draw souls to him in filial, that means family, confidence, and with the joy of abandonment, to his goodness. Love our Father. Trust our Father. Depend upon our Father in every weakness. This revelation of God as a Father who cherishes his children 
and so loves them that he sent me, his only begotten son, into the world to suffer and to die, lies at the very heart of my gospel. Love my father and open your heart to the immensity of his love for you. Thus will you become for him, in me, a beloved son, in whom he takes delight. You know, this is the essence of his gospel. And I think John's gospel beautifully kind of reveals this to us. I encourage you sometime to read it. And notice how many times Jesus speaks about the Father. You know, it's just amazing how many times it comes up. John chapter 17, verse 3 said this. Actually, verse uh, 1, 2, and 3. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, so the context, he's speaking to the Father right now. The hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him power over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they, they should know you. This is eternal life, that they should know you. The Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, that's the essence of the gospel. Jesus told Philip, have I been with you so long that you don't know when you see me, you see the Father? When you hear me, you hear the Father? Jesus says, I only do what I hear the Father saying. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. You know? And as I told you before Mass today, you know, the Eucharistic prayer is offered to the Father. And that's why I, I don't get to do it very often, but I, I do enjoy it. Because there's something changes in me when I say the Mass this way. I experience it differently. I experience I'm talking to the Father on behalf of you as a pastor, as Christ speaking to his Father. In the Eucharistic prayer, 38 times I said, in the Eucharistic prayer 3, it refers to God the Father. You and yours, Lord and Father. The only times it doesn't is during the consecration, where it says you, it's referring to the disciples and to you. So four times for you, 38 times for the Father, with the word you and you, yours stand for. You know, and that should show what our, what, our, what our worship is all about, what our faith is all about. It's about going to the Father, the Father's house, you know, leading us back to the Father. That's what he does. That's what, his, that's what he's come for to take us home to the Father. The truth leads us into freedom because of the Father. Our identity is in the heart of the Father. We are the children of God. 1 John 3 says, you know, it reveals that to us. See what the love of the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God. Yet so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. It did not know Him. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you Accept this grace of a loving father. Remember how Neil said in the talk over there in the, on, on this morning on the, on the CD during, during the meal that the great lie of, of Satan it really is about that God's not a good father? And Satan is the father of lies. John eight forty four says, He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks in character because he is a liar and the father of lies. Remember the, uh, the lies, the sheep back there. 
You know, that's why it's one thing we need to remember is, what's the lies I'm believing? You know, what are the lies I'm believing? Satan hates God for giving us our identity as his children. And he wants to destroy it. A battle that began with Adam and Eve. When they ate the fruit and swallowed the lie about God's intentions and his goodness. The lies distort the perspective of God. Adam and Eve were forced to hide in their shame, losing their amazing intimacy with God the Father. The voice of God whispers our identity to us, who we are. Whispers. In the beginning, God talked with Adam and Eve and walked in the eve of the day, Genesis says. And his voice was the only voice. You know, but think about that beautiful moment as God would come down in the eve, the breezy part of the day, the evening of the day, every day, come down and he'd walk with his kids, Adam and Eve. He'd talk with them. You know, Neil has a great, beautiful little way he explains this. He talks about it. He says, you know, imagine Adam and Eve and God's walking with Adam. And Adam says, yeah, God, look at this. Look at this over here. Look at this bug. It's got like a hundred legs on it. And God says, oh, that ain't nothing. Look at this one over here. It's got about a thousand legs on it. You know, I mean, you think about just the beautiful intimacy that they had as they walked in the garden. Every night, God came to visit them and talk with them, you know. And, and it's when they rejected him that they couldn't hear his voice anymore. You know, after the fall, there was another voice, the father of lies. And they could no longer clearly hear God's voice. The relationship with God as a loving father was, in a sense, ripped away from their soul and no longer the same until Jesus came to restore it, to restore us, to reconcile us with the Father, so that we, can, we again could be what we are, beloved sons and daughters of the Father. Deliverance breaks the law, power of the lies. You know, um, I told that about the lie that it was in my life that shattered once I renounced it, you know, and the joy of, of that. You know, these lies start in Eden, that God is not a good father, that God's not a loving father, that we can't trust him. You know, that's the lies that still echo through our time. The voice of the father is restored because we see true identity and thus we can hear and we can believe our identity and destiny as revealed by God as, as beloved sons and daughters. Every thought that God has for you is a treasure, is a blessing. You know, Neil says that so beautifully. Every thought that God has for you is a treasure. What are God's thoughts for you? What was the Father's thoughts towards you on the day you were, you were born, or the day you were conceived? You know, do you realize that the, that the whole universe was changed forever the moment you were created? Forever. The whole universe was changed forever. The moment your children were created, were conceived. What happened? A soul was created that never before existed and will never cease to exist. The universe was changed forever the moment you were created, the moment your children were conceived. Every child, that's how grand every child is. A soul that never existed, a being, a person, never before existed, now exists for eternity, forever. Something you and your soul began to exist, that moment made by God will never cease to exist. You know, and that idea of the lies, you know, um, you know, to be set free from them. As I was going through, um, like I said, reading the uh, the Companion Guide, and when I was taking the uh, uh, doing the videos the very first time with the with the group in Lincoln, you know, I'd go home and I'd kind of pray those. I'd never really been very good about doing daily things, but I did those, and and would maybe get behind a couple day or two, but get caught up. And one of the questions on one of those days is and those real reflection questions was, you know, what's the lie that you've you've taken in? And so I asked the Holy Spirit, what's the lie that I'm holding on to? 
And when you ask Spirit, the Holy Spirit questions like that, he does respond, it seems, pretty quickly. And it's the words that you probably don't really go, really? And the word was unwanted. I go, really? Unwanted? Well, how can that be? But then I started thinking about it and, and pondering. Well, okay, I was last of five. I was five years afterwards. I was, um, my mother had a degenerative nerve disease that really started at that time, that really became, became worse. And so there was a great fear when I was conceived of what would happen to her. You know, there was, there was a whole uh, reality of all kinds of things surrounding that moment, that situation of that, why I was conceived. And I had found out about these things. And I go, wow, maybe that's true. You know, and it was like, and so the prayer I became was, show me the truth, Jesus. Show me the truth. And I went on. Well, I think it was probably the very next night, next morning, uh, as I got up, as I went to bed, show me the truth, Jesus. Show me the truth. As I got up, show me the truth, Jesus. And as God doesn't waste any time and usually, usually catches us off guard, I'm in the shower, and I start praying a lot of time in the shower, do my morning prayers, you know, no, no use wasting the time. And uh, all of a sudden, this, this image comes in, comes in, and it's just like of my mom, my mom and dad's bedroom, you know, and it was like God the Father looking above and God the Father choosing the seed that would become me. Of all the millions and billions of people that could have been created, the Father choosing me. You know, and it was just that, where would that ever come from? But that's the reality. That's the truth. You were chosen. You were chosen. Out of all the thousands, if not millions, of different possibilities of human beings that could have been created at that moment, you were chosen by the Father. Out of love. Out of love. You were chosen. Nobody else. To look like you look. To have the DNA that you have. To be as tall as you are to have the color of eyes that you have, to have the hair color you have, to have hair, or not. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> but I had to acknowledge <laughs> the gift, because sometimes I wish I did. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that you were chosen. I mean, do you ever think about that? You were chosen. Everything about you, your DNA, everything about was chosen by God the Father. You know, that you were chosen. You know, what a beautiful pondering that you were chosen. We were all chosen by him out of love. You were a child of his choice. He never stopped speaking to you or loving you. He never stopped speaking to you or loving you. You just can't hear it. And at the most difficult times of your life, he was speaking to you. And maybe it wasn't until being prayed with that maybe you heard what he was saying. Maybe it won't be till another time or maybe another way when you're praying that you'll hear it. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and announce the good news of the kingdom. The devil's greatest deception began in the garden and, and passed to us. The devil doesn't really exist, but God is, or that, that was his lies, you know, that he doesn't really exist. That's one of his great lies, you know, that God's not a father, good father, that God cannot be trusted. These are all his lies. That we're lacking something. You know, breaking the lie allows the loving word of the Father to fill the void in our soul left by the lie. You know, that, that, that freedom. 
Jesus' greatest work was destroying the power of the devil's lie and showing us who the Father really is. That's what he said. He came to reveal the Father. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. They lost the Father's relationship. Jesus comes to restore it. And so if we have a Father, it means we're children. We're beloved children because our Father is a Father of love. Jesus' greatest work then was doing that. His mission was to reveal the Father the Father's love and to bring us to the Father. That's what happens in Mass, as we spoke about. Jesus announced the reign of the kingdom of God and taught us to pray for it. Our Father, who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we're invited to live under his rule and be free. Jesus was clear about his mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke chapter 4, verse 17, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor, He sent me to proclaim liberty and freedom to captives and recover your sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. We have been given authority to carry this out. Acts chapter 5. You know, a large number of people from the towns, this is is the apostles, in the vicinity of Jerusalem were also gathered, bringing the sick and and those disturbed by unclean spirits, and they were all cured. All were healed. This is the apostles and the disciples doing this. We're all instructed by Jesus to go out and do the same. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 18. He told them, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Our mission includes setting captives free, Isaiah 58, 6. Is this not rather the fast that I choose, releasing those bound unjustly, untying the thongs, the yoke, setting free the oppressed, breaking off every yoke? The first person Jesus wants to set free is ourselves, you and me. We must be good stewards of that authority that he's given to us, the authority from God. We are his ambassadors for Christ. In sinning, we give up in our God-given authority in this world. The sinning, we gave up our God-given authority. In rejecting God, we gave our authority to another. Purpose of this conference is freedom, so you can give it to others also. It's part of evangelization, to reclaim our identity and to live under the authority of God. You know, to claim our identity, to acclaim what God does for us. So thank you, everyone, for sharing um, some of the graces that you've received. And what a great blessing it is in so many ways to know that... Um, this is not the end. Um, it's just the beginning. You know, it's just the beginning of living in a new freedom. But also, uh, as, as was shared beautifully, um, you know that, um, and I'll talk about this tomorrow, um, is that, you know, and, and Stephen's talking about it also, that, yeah, we, there will be challenges. And, but now you've got tools. Now you've got tools. You've got a way to deal with things that you probably didn't have before. And that's the great blessing is that it's not just for this one moment, but it's actually for to take into your life and to use in your life. Um, and so that's the, the great gift that you also have. The five key prayer model teaches us to close those entryways, to take back what the enemy stole from us, to take back our responsibility, to take back our power and authority. Um, deliverance ministry to others helps people take back their power. Freedom is the ability to choose good over evil, to live under God's blessing, and to take up one's cross with the help of Christ who walks with us always.